It's great to have you with us. If you're new to our church here at the X, we are actually in part two of a brand new series we kicked off last week called Middle Management. Let me tell you the basic concept behind this idea of middle management, and that's basically this. We discovered this last week, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Here's what that means. God created everything, so God owns it all, right? I mean, if you make something and you put a patent on it, whatever, you own it, you have the rights to it, it's yours. And one of the things that we discovered last week is if God owns everything, that's me, that's all my possessions, that's all my money, all my life. If God owns everything, then what am I? I if God owns it, then I what? I, I manage it, right? And that's this whole concept of what we're learning as, as a church right now is what does it look like for us to manage well what God has entrusted us with. Now, let me just say this. I think most of us could all agree and say that how we manage what God has put into our hands does matter to him. It matters to you. How someone manages your retirement portfolio, oh, I bet you it matters to you, right? And so we need to understand this one truth, and that is this, that if we will align ourselves, if we will manage well what God has entrusted to us, here is a promise that we learned last week from Jesus. Jesus said this, if you are faithful with a little, then he will give us more. And I don't know about you, but I like the sound of that. I like the thought of that. In fact, I think most of us, if not all of us, would say, I would like to be blessed. I mean, if God can bless my life, and I'm not just talking to money, I mean, but I would like that. You know, health and family and relationships and career. I'm like, sign me up. I want to experience that. And so that's what we're learning together. What does it look like for us to manage well what God has entrusted us with and therefore putting ourselves in a place to experience his blessing? Now, if you were here last week, um, we kicked off the series, and we have, a, we have these books on our campus called Beyond Blessed by Pastor Robert Morris. And I really love his approach to understanding the blessing of God, and not in a selfish, not in a prosperity message type of way, but balanced biblical way. What does it look like to experience the blessing of God in our lives? And so we did something as an investment in all of you. We decided we were going to go ahead and buy a bunch of these books and then sell them to you at a reduced cost. We're going to buy part of the book and I wanted you, if you want to experience more and more and understand this, I said, why don't you make a small investment, $7, for a hardbound book of something that if you will read it, I'm telling you, it'll inspire you, it'll challenge you, and it can change your life. And so here's the cool thing. We had these on our campuses last week, and guess what? They were sold out really fast. I mean, people just lined up to buy them. And so if you were here, if you were here last week and you didn't get a chance we have more of them again this week. So stop by your resource area at your campus and go ahead and pick up a copy of this. I think it'll be an incredible supplement to what it is that we're learning together in this series. So I want to encourage you to do that. Now today, today you're, you're, you're in luck. If you came to church today, you picked maybe the best weekend out of the entire series to make sure that you're here because what I'm about to share with you today, I believe is probably the most important I think surely has maybe the most potential of this entire series to change your life. Like that's how much I believe in what I'm about to tell you today. This is one of the most significant things. And so I just want to say this up front that maybe if you're here today at one of our locations and, and you came with somebody or someone invited you or you, you thought, man, maybe I should try church and you're not a Christ follower. Let me just say something. If you're here you're not a Christ follower. First of all, I'm glad you're here, okay? Like, we're excited that you're here at church. You are welcome here. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong. We say that all the time. And maybe you're just kind of like, I don't know, I'm just trying to learn this. I'm just, I don't know what I believe, and I'm not sure I believe what you believe. That's okay. I just want to say that's okay. Today's message, and maybe this whole series, is more geared for someone who says, I already believe in Christ, okay? And so what I want to say, though, I think you're going to get something out of this. Here's my message to you. This old phrase, maybe you've heard it before, eat the fish, spit out the bones. Have you ever heard that phrase? Eat the fish, spit out the bones. Basically what it means is this. If something I say is helpful for you, then take it and apply it to your life. But, but if there's something you're like, that's just weird, I would not do that, that's crazy, then just go ahead and leave it. Just spit out the bones, okay? And let me tell you why this is so significant. Because those of us who are Christ followers, we happen to uh, believe that what God has shared with us through the word of God, through the Bible, is God's desire for how he wants us to live our lives. 
Amen? Like that's how, that's, we, we think that's honestly, I, I personally, I feel like it's actually the best way to live. I think God, the creator of all of us, knows. And, and so we just, our goal is to align ourselves with what Jesus says so that we can experience all that God has for us. And that's our approach. And so if you are a Christ follower, what I'm going to share with you today might be some of the greatest advice you will ever hear financially. You could, you would pay money to a financial advisor and you will not hear what I'm going to share with you. And I believe it's more powerful than anything you can hear from a financial advisor. That, I mean, I know it's tall order, but I'm just telling you what I have to share with you is so impactful that you want to lean in, take notes. You're going to want to wrestle with this, okay? Because I want to talk about our finances and what it looks like, okay, to order our finances in such a way that God can bless them. Now, I, I know some of you might, might be at church and and uh, you showed up, maybe you're new, and you're like, oh, why are they talking about money of all weeks to go to church? And they're talking about money. Do you know why we feel like that sometimes? Let me just speak to it. The reason why we sometimes don't like to hear or don't want to hear anything said about money is because we in our minds think that our money is a personal and private matter. I mean, we just all believe that. Let's just be honest. Like, you, like we don't go around and, and advertise, hey, you know how much money I paid for my house? You, know how much, you want to know how much I paid? You want to know how much I paid for it? You want to know how much my payment is? No one does that, right? We don't go around and advertise how much we paid for our brand new car. No, we would never do that. That's like, it's kind of embarrassing. We don't do that. And in fact, I, I've never met anybody that runs around and says, do you want to know what my paycheck is? Do you want to know? You want to know? You want to know how much money I make? Now, if you ever meet someone like that, I'm just going to say something, there's something wrong. There's something that's a little weird, okay? If they're bragging about what they make, okay, it's probably not true anyways. But, but, you know, we don't do that because it's a private matter. We don't like to talk about it. We don't want people to know how much we've got in our savings, how much is in our 401k. We don't want people to know that. And so it's so private that we think we shouldn't talk about it. But let me just tell you something. If someone had the greatest financial advice ever, don't you think that it would be really important that someone would share it with you? I mean, seriously, I mean, I just want you to understand, like some people go, I'd rather go to church that doesn't talk about money. I just want you to understand my thought on this. As your pastor, I'm doing you a disservice if I don't talk about what God had to say about money and possessions. And if you're like, I don't want to go to church that talks about it, go find a church where they have pastors and leaders that don't love you, that don't care about you. Because I'm telling you, the reason why it's such a big deal is because money is one of the greatest stressors in our life today. Whether you feel like I don't have a lot, or maybe you have a lot, and that's stressful too. What do I do with it? And am I doing the right things with it? And, and we're going to have enough. And let's be honest today and just recognize something that is that we often worry about money. We worry about it. We stress about it all the time. So much so that, get this, Jesus actually talked about money. He talked about money a lot. He talked about possessions a lot. Do you know why? Because he knows we worry about it. He knows we stress about it. In fact, today, as, as we kind of look at what Jesus had to say about our money, I want to share with you just a single verse to start us off of something Jesus said when it comes to our finances and our money. And I'm telling you, this is so, so, so important. You ought to take notes. If you've got one of those new note sheets and binder or your, your phone, I mean, you, you do not want to miss this, okay? Because Jesus had a lot to say about our money because we worry. In fact, in one of the most famous sermons of all time, um, it's one that we, have, we call the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've heard of this. I personally don't believe that it was just a single message. I believe this was the primary message that Jesus said no matter where he went. This was like his theme, his message. And, and so Jesus shared something, and he talked about money in Matthew chapter 6. Maybe write it down. You go read that chapter this week. Matthew 6, Jesus talked about money because we freak out about money, because we're stressed about money. And Jesus said these words in Matthew 6. He said, don't worry about having enough. That's I'm paraphrasing. He said, don't worry. We worry all the time. We worry that we don't have enough for our kids. We worry we don't have enough for the end of the week. We worry. He said, stop worrying. In fact, he said this. He said, do you know who are the people that worry the most? He said, the people who don't know God as Father are the ones that worry the most. 
He said, you know why people, and this is in our world, do you know why they worry so much? If, if you don't know that your heavenly father loves you so much and he's the one that created everything and he has everything at his disposal that he could bless you with, if you don't know that, it only makes sense that you're just going to chase and run after everything that you think you need. And so he says, you people, we worry about what we eat, what we're going to drink. He says, you don't need to worry about all of that. He said, let me give you the antidote. This is so critical. Let me give you the key to kind of flipping this around. If your finances are upside down, you're going, I don't know what to do, and we're stressed and all this. What I'm about to share with you, you're going to go, that's it? It's so simple, and yet it's also one of the hardest things to do. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33. Put it up. He said this. He said this. Seek what? Come on, let's say it again. Help me out, Lancaster, everybody. Help me out. He said, seek seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. First things first. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Notice this next word, then. This is an important word because it speaks to the order of things. Then all your other needs will be met as well. There's something that Jesus wants us to understand about God and the way he thinks about us, the way he feels toward us. There's something he says. He says, if you will put God first. Do you know that when Jesus said these words, you go read the context, he's talking about our money. So in that same passage, he says, you can't love both God and mammon or money, one or the other. This is what he's talking about. He says, if we would put God first, and I know it's so hard to do, but if you would seek God first in his kingdom, what is that? That's his purpose. That's what God's trying to build in your life and in our lives together. And what God wants, or some translations say his righteousness, if you will put God first in your life, then, and only then, here's the order, then all your other needs will be met as well. God wants to bless and wants to meet all our needs. Here's a basic truth that I want you to get today, and that is this. God wants to be first in your life and in mine. Did you know that? God wants to be first. I mean, when you hear that, don't you just think, wow, man, God, God's kind of like a competitor. I don't know if you've ever pictured God as being competitive. I, I don't know. That's kind of maybe not the way we think about God being competitive, but I, I like to think about God as being competitive sometimes, right? Maybe that's because I am. I'm a little bit competitive. In fact, I'm just curious at both our campuses. Just real quick, just a, a show of hands, and let's just go ahead and own this today, okay, at church. It's always good to confess and kind of own this. How many of you would just be honest and say you are super competitive? Raise your hand if you're a real, hold it up, hold it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. If you're a real competitive person, hold it up. Hey, listen, if you're around somebody that's got their hand up, do me a favor, stretch your hand toward them because we need your prayer. <laughs> you know, I've got my hand up. Pray for us, y'all, like, because, man, it's, it feels like a curse sometimes, okay? I am that person that is super ultra competitive. Like, if we're just going to meet somewhere, we're going to carpool, we're driving to a restaurant, I'm going to try to beat you. And I know you may not even know it's a race, but I'm going to still try to beat you. I'll pass you on the road and, 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 and because I just want to get there first, Okay, I mean, it served me well when I played sports, okay? I would just kind of push through, and I want to be first, and there's grit and determination, and, and that's great. And, um, um, and here's the thing when, when it comes to, to being super competitive. Here's what I've discovered. Not all of us are this way, you know? Not all of us are this way. I, I found this out because uh, in, in my family, I am kind of super competitive, and, um, but my, my wife and my older daughter are not that competitive. And I don't even understand that. You know, like, hey, you want to play a game for fun? What do you mean for fun? Like, who plays games for fun? I play to win. Right? That's all I do is win, 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 win. That's all I ever do. And, and, and so, you know, when, when we play games, it's, you can tell who the real competitive ones are. And the, the other day, this was funny, um, Friday we... I picked up um, our youngest daughter, Audrey, from school. My wife and I did. And she gets in the car, and I start talking to her about track and field because I got an email from the school, and she signed up for track and field, which is awesome. Like, we've been pushing her for a long time. Like, you ought to run track because, just, I mean, every year in school, like, when they would do foot races in gym, she would beat all the girls and all the boys. And we're like, yeah, you need to kind of show them who's boss, right? It makes me feel proud, you know? And, and so I kept telling her, you got to run track. You got to run track. So this year, she signed up for track. I was like, all right, this is cool, you know? And I, by the way, I, I don't know if you know this, I was... I was a little bit of a track legend um, in my senior year in high school. And uh, 
Maybe not quite legend. That's more in my own mind. But um, I did. I ran track. And so she gets in the car, and, and she's in there. And I'm talking to her about track. I said, hey, track practice starts on Monday. And, um, and, and, and I, start, I was like, what are you going to race? Do you know? And so I don't know, 100 to 200. We've been telling her, you need to do the hurdles. She's got these long legs. She's strong. I was like, man, do the hurdles. And then I'm go, I go into kind of explaining to her how to run the hurdles because I did the hurdles, so I know. And it's like, I'm talking to her about your form. And I'm like, okay, over there. And then you come down. There's three steps. And then you're going to and, – and, and I'm going on and on. My wife kind of looks over me. She was like, she's like Tim, just – She's like, stop coaching her already. She hasn't even started, and she doesn't need you to coach her, you know. She was like, you probably don't even know what it's like today. I mean, last time you ran track was ooh, a long time ago. And, uh, and she was like, just leave her alone, okay? Just, just let her have fun. She's just going to run track for fun. And I, and I paused, and I, I looked at my daughter. Who's in the, I said, honey, I said, are you just going to run track for fun? Or are you going to try to win? She was like, I'm going to try to win. I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> Amen. You come from me. Like, my youngest daughter is ultra competitive, okay? Can I, can I just say this? I know this might seem a little crazy. Maybe you've never thought of God this way. But let me just say it this way. I believe that God is ultra competitive. God is competitive. He is so competitive. He's competitive for what? For your heart and for mine. He's so competitive that, that God wants to, to be first in our lives. That's what Jesus said, seek first. Why? Because he knows how God feels about us. He's like, I want to be first. In fact, all throughout Scripture, you find this principle that I want to talk to you about. From the beginning, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, you see over and over this principle. This principle, I call it, it's the principle of the first, that God wants to be first. Okay, like if you've ever felt like, man, that's a bad thing and you, someone's ever told you, you're no fun to play Monopoly with because you're super ultra competitive. Next time they say that, just look at them and say, it's because I was made in the image of God. That's why I'm like this. Don't hate on me. Like, I, you know, listen, not, not only um, does God want to be first in our lives, but one of the things we discover throughout the Bible is that God actually lays claim to the first. And I want to show this to you because maybe no one's ever unpacked this for you. And if you don't understand this, today maybe God's going to unlock something in your mind or your heart that really could change the way you see this. Can I show you just this passage first? If you've got a Bible, I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 13 for a moment. In Exodus 13, let me tell you what's going on in this moment. Um, God was speaking to Moses to tell his people, this was right after he brought them out of Egypt. You're going to see that. And what it was God doing, he, he brought him out of a land of slavery. Maybe you know the story of Moses and God coming to him and saying, I want you to go and, before the Pharaoh and I'm going to do these miracles and let my people go. Maybe you've heard that or you've seen the movies that we've made about it. And God does these ten miracles. The last one, you remember, was kind of crazy. It was an angel of death that came to, to take the firstborn and they had to put like blood over the doorpost so that the angel of death passed over them. And so right as they finally are set free and they're heading out, here's what God says to Moses for the people. Exodus 13 verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate. That's a big word. just means set aside, devote to me. Consecrate to me every what? Everybody say it out loud. Every firstborn male. Every firstborn male. In fact, he goes on to say the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites. Now help me out. What did God say about the firstborn? He said it belongs to me. God is taking ownership. Now we learned this last week, right? God actually owns it all. But when it comes to the firstborn or it comes to the first, God said, no, no, no. That part, even though it's in your hands, belongs to me. He said this, whether human or animal. Verse 3, then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, do you know that for years after that, they would celebrate this very moment where God's speaking this to them, and it was called the Passover. That's Remember that angel passed over, which was significant about Jesus. Okay, this is all connected. Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I'm blessing you. I'm bringing you out to a, a, a better place because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast today in the month of Abib. You are leaving. Now, let me, just, let, me, let me just kind of unpack this for just a second. First of all, the month of Abib is important. Again, this is part of it because it's the first month 
of the Jewish calendar. There's, there's, I'm just trying to show you that there's, there's a concept that runs throughout this. And God said to them, I want the firstborn of all living things. All your flocks, all your children, the firstborn male belongs to me. God laid ownership. He said, it's mine. I know all of it's God's, but, but when it comes to this, he said, the first belongs to me. That's the first tr- truth you need to get this. This principle about the truth is this. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. That's what he said. It's mine. I get the first. Now, here, here's how they did this, just so you understand. I mean, how they would do this back in ancient times is um, they would actually sacrifice animals to God as a form of worship. That's what they do. And so you had a firstborn baby sheep, the male, and the, the flock. You, you would literally go, and they would sacrifice. I know it seems barbaric, but that's, that's what they did in ancient times. And they say, wait a minute, did God ask them to sacrifice their firstborn male children? No. God was not expecting. In fact, God is the author of life. God would never ask them to do it, okay? What God did was he put in place, just so they understood this principle. This is why it's so important. He put in place an opportunity for them to redeem their firstborn sons. They would never offer a sacrifice, but here's what they had to do. They had to give money in place of that to redeem their firstborn male. This is what they had to do. And so God kind of builds this whole thing and says, listen, the first belongs to me. Now, here's a great question. If God made all of it, it's all his anyways. He made all the sheep, he made all the goats, all the donkey, all that. If God makes all of it, why does God care? Why does God care that much? That's a great question. Well, here, here's, let me help you understand contextually why God cared so much. He had just brought them out of Egypt. Where were they? They were in this land, were un- enslaved in Egypt. And if you knew anything about Egyptian culture, here's what you'd understand. That it was a very polytheistic culture. They did not believe in the one true God, the creator of heavens and the earth. They didn't believe that. They believed that there were tons of gods. In fact, the pharaohs themselves believed they were a god. And they would have gods that they'd say, oh, the fertility god. And if you can't get pregnant, you need to worship to this god. And they would make a bull and a shape and they would bow down and worship. And, and they, everything they couldn't understand, they turned it into a god. Well, why do you think this bothered the god so much? Because God's like, I made all that and I don't want to compete with the things I created. I'm not going to compete with those. Do you realize that, that the position of God, do you realize that God, what he's saying is position matters. Order matters. Remember the whole thing we're learning, the order, the priority. Everything matters to God. How much so? Well, God did this when he gave the Ten Commandments. Do you know what he said was the very first one? He said, you shall have no other gods before me. God's like, I don't want to play second fiddle. I, 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 I want to be first. In the words of the incredible poet. Some of you probably know him. His name's Ricky Bobby. He said this. He said, if you ain't first, you're what? You're last. That's how God feels. God's like, I'm not okay with sharing this. If I'm not first, I might as well be last. God cares so much about this. And so God instituted this principle of the first. Now here's what you need to know when it comes to the first. This isn't just about money. What it is, is really God wants to be first in every area of our lives. Your worship, your heart, your, with your thoughts and your time. I know it's hard to do, but I'm just, I'm just telling you how God feels. God says, I want to be first in your life. By the way, I think that's why it's so significant that we come together as a church and we gather to worship God, that we make coming to church a priority. You know what we usually do? We usually gather on the first day of the week. Why is that so significant? Because a lot of times we say, well, I don't have time or it's not as important. But what we're learning is that priority matters to God. The order in which you do things matters to God. It really does. And so when we gather and we, we, we say, God, I'm going to give you the first of my week and we worship, I know you might go, well, I could be sleeping in and I could be out work shopping and I could be working on the house. Or you could say, God, I'm going to put you first and then God could bless the rest. Yeah. What about your day? God, God wants to be first. Can I suggest something to you? Here's sometimes I, I have this process. It goes through my mind. I think this. I am so busy. Every, my life is so busy today. I don't know that I have time to sit down and read my Bible. I don't, I don't know if I have time because I'm so busy. Can I maybe just suggest something that Jesus is trying to say? Remember he said, seek first God's kingdom and then all these things. What, what if something supernatural would happen if we would actually dedicate the first portion of our day to God? What if it would change the day? 
What if it changed the trajectory of our day? Literally, if we've just put him first. And so God tells us, he says, listen, I want to be first so badly in your life that I'm just, I'm just saying, just put me first. And so he said, I claim the first. Now, listen, this was more than just an animal. This was more than just a firstborn son. Listen, God expanded this to say of everything, of all our increase. In fact, a few chapters later, in Exodus 23, verse 19, here's what God said to him. He said, bring the best of the what? Say that word out loud. Of the first fruits. That's an important word. Of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, what were the first fruits? Well, you got to remember, they were an agricultural society, okay? And so if you didn't have sheep and goats, if you weren't a shepherd... You were a farmer. That's how you survived. That was your income. And so they would plant in fields, and then God would bring the rain and sunshine, and then when it was harvest time, they would go around and collect, you know, maybe if you've ever had a garden at your house, and you kind of plant, and you wait, and you kind of cultivate the garden, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's fruit, and there's vegetables. That would, the first fruits would mean the very first that they take off the vine, God says, bring it to me. And not just any part. But the best of the first fruits belongs to me. He said, you take it to the house of the Lord your God, the house of worship, your place where you worship. This is what God said all throughout. Now let me ask you a question. Just, I just want us to process this. If God laid claim to the first of all of our increase, and I know you, you're like, well, I, I don't really have much of my garden, but I'll, I'll give him some fruits and vegetables. Or, but, but for most of us, let's just be honest, like what are our first fruits? It's our income. It's our paycheck. It's how God blesses us with the mental ability and the physical strength to earn a living and what we do in our careers. Okay, that, that's our first fruits. That's, that's what would be part of it. Let me ask you this question. What happens, what do you think happens if we decide to keep the first ourselves? Just think about it. If God said that's mine, because I know, but I'm gonna keep it myself. How do you think God feels about that? You don't have to wonder how he did. He actually told his people how he felt about it. I want to I read this to you because uh, God actually spoke to the nation of Israel through a prophet. His name was Malachi. And God wanted them to know how he sees us keeping the first. You're like, wait a minute, isn't it mine? Well, all of it really belongs to God, but he says there's something special about the first portion. And here's what he said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. He said this, will a mere mortal, that's you and me, humans, rob God, yet you rob me. Oh, man, come on, God, no, I would never do that, right? It's so crazy. I love how he speaks to the, to the prophet and, and, and says, but you ask, how are we robbing you? I would never rob from God. And what was God's answer back? Come on, help me out. He said, in what? In tithes and, and, tithes and offerings. Now, this is kind of crazy, and maybe, maybe this is new to you. I just want to say this, and maybe you, you've never heard this before. I don't want to assume. I've actually had people come up to me and say, I heard you say this tithe thing, and I don't, I don't know what it is. Well, let me explain it to you. The word tithe, okay, literally means a tenth part, or we would say probably more like 10%, okay, 10% of it. And throughout the Bible, we're actually given this picture, we're given the command, we're given all this stuff where God says that you're to take a tithe. I believe it's a measurement of the first fruits, a tithe. In fact, God told the people of, of Israel in Leviticus 27, 30, he said this, a tithe of everything from the land. He said, whether it's fruit from the trees or crops from your soil, he said this, it belongs to me. It is holy, set aside, consecrate, it is holy to me. This is what he said. He said a tithe. Now, now here's the thing. I know, I know some of you are hearing this first time. You're going, 10%? That's a lot. Holy cow, like 10% a tithe. Now, let me just say this. I, I run into every once in a while some Christians that have heard from somebody else or, you know, I've heard them kind of make this argument. They're, wait, wait a minute. Isn't the tithe an Old Testament law thing? I don't know if you ever heard this argument. And I, I like to speak to it just because there's some of you that maybe come from, you know, a, a place where you kind of wrestled with this. And you say, a tithe, isn't that an old, like, aren't we New Testament Christians, amen, we are, okay? I believe that there's a new covenant. That's what the word testament means, through Jesus. And this old covenant was with a nation. I, I totally agree with that. But I want to say this, that throughout the Bible, before the law, before the nation of Israel, God presented this picture to us of what it means to give him the first fruits and the tithe. 
before any of that. In fact, you can trace back one of the earliest stories in the Bible. That's why I said from cover to cover. Genesis chapter 4 is a story about two brothers, Cain and Abel. You've heard the story? And, and it says over the course of time, at harvest time, that they both brought an offering to the Lord. And it says that Cain brought some of, the, some of the crops, just some. But it says Abel brought the best, the best of the firstborn of his flock. See, Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. He brought the best. And you know what it says? It says that God accepted Abel's offer, but offering but rejected Cain's. Even from the beginning, there's something about giving God the best of the first. And oh, by the way, I, I, as you look throughout the narrative of the Bible, you see the tithes show up over and over. And Cain and Abel, just so you understand, they lived 2,500 years before God gave the law to Moses. 2,500 years. And then you have people like Abraham that gave a tenth of everything he had to King Melchizedek. That was hundreds and hundreds of years before the law. In fact, Exodus 13, where he commanded them that the firstborn, that was before he gave the law at Mount Sinai. Okay, and so what I'm trying to say is that, uh, and Jesus upheld this, Matthew 23, 23. I believe that there is a, a principle in this. The tithe is the first 10%. It's a, it's a tenth. He says, belongs to me. Now, here's what an offering is. You, know, you say, what's the difference between a tithe and an offering? An offering is anything that we want to give above and beyond the tithe. That's what an offering is. And so if you've ever been prompted to give to, like, you see a missionary, and you want to, like, I want to help support them, or maybe someone going on a mission trip, or maybe a cause at work, whatever, that's an offering. Or when we do a building campaign or end of the year and say, this is what we're going to do with it, and you say, I want to give, that's an offering. And here's what God said to him. He says, you don't understand. When it comes to the tithe, it comes to the offerings that I've prompted your heart to give, and you withhold them from me, like, God says, you understand, like, the way I see it, you're robbing me. I know it's kind of extreme. And in verse 9, here, here's what he went on to say. He said this, you are under a curse. The whole nation of you, you're under a curse because you're robbing me. Like, that's strong. Like, whoa, are you kidding me? Now, now here's what I want to say about that, okay? And I'm going to show you. Before you feel like, wow, that's heavy, that God would feel that way, I just want to tell you my perspective on this. My perspective is when you withhold from God the first, you're actually not robbing him as much as you're robbing yourself. You don't even realize how you're robbing yourself. From God's perspective, he says, well, you're kind of robbing from me, but, but it's, it's, it's deeper than that. Here's why. Because in Malachi 3, verse 10, here's what God said. This promise is so incredible. God said this to them. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The house was a place of worship. That was the house of God. Here's what God said. Look at these two words. He said, test me. Try me. Test me in this. Okay, well, how are we supposed to test God? Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Okay, I'm liking this now. And pour out so much what? Everybody say it. So much? Oh, that's what we want. Yes. You said floodgates? You're not, not, not a little drip, but I'm just going to open up the heavens, right? Like we experience rain here in Ohio. You're going to open up the heavens, the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I don't know about you, but I like that. I mean, that sounds great. And I do believe that God has the ability, listen, to bless us in our lives if we will order our finances in such a way so that we give to God what is rightfully his for what? His kingdom and his righteousness or what God wants to do in the earth. That's what it's for. Now, let me just say this. Good stewardship begins with the first. So we're talking about being a good manager. Good stewardship begins with the first. First things first, we have to get the order right. Because here's what I want you to understand, this truth. And that is this, that God is the one who blesses us with 100% of all that we have. Do you know that? Everything that we have, God is the one who blesses us with all of it. In fact, I, I want to show you just this picture. And so um, I appreciate uh, God coming to help us. We got God. Put your hands together for God. Oh. Well, thank you, God. For this blessing. Look what God just gave me, right? And here's the beautiful thing about a pie. Thank you, God. A beautiful thing about a pie is uh, if you ever, like, school, you have pie charts and all that good stuff. Here's what's really cool about it. Um, we all have a full pie. Now, your pie might be different than someone else's pie, okay? You might make more money. You might make less money than someone else. But listen, it's all our pie, 100%. No matter what, whether it's, you know, it's your pie, my pie. And here's what I've discovered. Everybody, everybody wants a piece of your pie. 
don't they? In fact, oh, hello, especially the banker. You ever notice the banker always got their hand out and won a piece of the pie, all right? And here's the thing. We need a house, right? We need to live in a house. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and so, you know, when it comes to, you know, your pie and you get paid, one of the first things that you need to do is you got to pay the banker. you got to pay the mortgage, right? I mean, this is really important. You know what they say about when it comes to your financing your home. They say that you should probably not finance any more. Oh, my goodness, look at that. They say you probably shouldn't finance any more than about 25 to 30 percent, in other words, of your income. So, so if your income, you know, no more than 25, 30 percent of your monthly income should go towards your house. But you all know to live is more than just a house. Come on, we, we need the lights on and we need the you know, AC, like, and so I got to have me some AC, like, I just can't, I'm not the open the window kind of guy, like, I want some AC, and, and, and then, you know, I run into sometimes some people, um, and it always kind of shocks me, there's some people when they, they, they're struggling financially, and yet, you know, the necessities, you got to have your necessities, I get that, you got to have a house, um, water, you know, you need to have cable TV, I mean, these are the necessities of life, and I've talked to some people, and they're like, yeah, they pay $200 a month for cable TV. I'm just going to say something. That's a lot, okay? And uh, so there, I don't want to give you any more, so just get out of here, right? I mean, because that's what happens. All of a sudden, like, I had this beautiful pie, and then all of a sudden, everybody wants a piece of the pie. Oh, including my family. Put your hands together. Come on, look at these gorgeous ladies. Come on. Man, God has blessed me, hasn't he? I know. You're looking at me thinking, my gosh, how did he pull that off? I understand that. Oh, oh, I understand that. How did he pull that off? Well, I dropped that. Look at this. I got a little, little ice. This is my pie anyways. This is my pie. Um, you know why I see family? This is what I would say. Um, your family is not a bill. They're a blessing. Amen. Come on, I mean, having family that God blesses us with, the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing from the Lord. And so, you know, but, you know, having a family is also expensive. It costs a lot of money. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things. And so my wife, you know, she, actually, I just want to say this. My wife is phenomenal. She is not one of those, like, shoppers and has to buy new clothes all the time. She is really conservative when it comes to that. But I did find out of being married for a lot of years that one of the things that really gets my wife's heart more than anything else is she loves vacations. My wife loves vacations. You stick her on a beach somewhere and she'll be happy for the rest of the month, okay? I mean, that's, that's the way she is. She's like, can we go back? And, and then I found out something else about her. It's not just a beach, because it's got to be a beach. But then my wife, you get to know her, loves Disney. And if you've ever been to Disney, you better just get ready to fork over your money to the mouse, right? And then, and then my youngest daughter, Audrey, as I said, she's uh, going to be a track star, set new records. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, she's getting ready. I had to buy her some new running shoes. She's like, Dad, I need running shoes. And so, wow, look at that. And uh, track spikes, right? You got to do track spikes. Those are coming up. I think we got to buy those this week probably. And, and then my older daughter, Lauren, she's awesome. I mean, you ever get to meet Lauren? She's just amazing, right? My older daughter, she's really good with money. I'm just going to tell you this. I, this is so cool. She's a saver, not a spender. I love this. And, and, um, and so she doesn't really, she doesn't buy a lot of things, and she doesn't ask for a lot of things. You know what her thing is? You know what she loves to do? This is cool. She loves to go on mission trips. Isn't that amazing? Like, how proud would you be? Like, your kid loves to go on mission trips. And so, you know, she wants to go on mission trips, and we've helped her out before. In fact, she's been on five mission trips and going back on a sixth one again this year. So that's pretty incredible. And, um, and so, you know, I want to be able to help her out. But you know what's crazy about her? This is, this is really cool. Um, she actually doesn't like us to pay. Like, she, she knows it's expensive, and so she'll save, and she'll, like, she'll earn money. And, uh, and so she'll say, you know what? I don't want you guys to pay for it. I'll figure it out. God will provide. Now, isn't that absolutely just incredible? I mean, so I get to keep this in my pie. Thank you guys very much. Put your hands together for them. And, you know, uh, but if you see a link out there for GoFundMe for my daughter, you could help because that would be helpful, all right, because I'm running out of, you know, running out of my, my pie. And then, oh, yeah. And then there's the car. I mean, 
It's a necessary evil, but we need transportation. We need to get around. And, and so, you know, the car comes time. you got to pay a car payment. And, and, and here's the thing I found about the car is that, um, do you know they say, and I don't know if it's totally true, but they say only about 8% of the world actually owns a car. So I just want to say, if you have a car, can you just consider yourself you're already blessed, right? And here's one of the things that I found about car dealerships. They love you so much. Uh, they want to bless us so much. Here's what they do. They won't even talk to you about the price of the car. They'll ask you this. I'm just a little wisdom. They'll say, how much can you afford monthly? Here's why. Because car dealerships, are, they love you so much. They want to bless you so much. They will let you finance out to 84 months for a car so you can get the payment down because you need leather and you need heated and cooled Leather seats, right? Because heated doesn't cut it anymore. I need cool air under my butt while I drive. So get out of here. I don't got any more money for you. I mean, that's this is your car. I mean, come on, let's just face it. Like, all of a sudden, you find out with life that money starts to d- drain real fast. Oh, oh. Any of you have any of these? Credit cards. Credit cards. You know, um, Credit cards are great because you can buy stuff even if you don't have the money. That's what's awesome about credit cards. You know, when I was a kid, it was really hard to get a credit card. You know, today, it's not hard to get a credit card. They will give a credit card to pretty much anybody with a pulse. And uh, so, you know, you can go and buy stuff and pay for it later. It's so amazing. But here's what um, you may not know. Um, Credit card companies aren't that nice, okay, they let you borrow the money, but they do it at a really high interest rate. And maybe yours is 12.9, I don't know, 14%, okay, or whatever. Do you know in Ohio, they can go upwards of 25%, which to me, I mean, that's basically nothing more than some empty calories right on top, right? So, you know, oh, get out of your credit cards. I don't want to, I can't handle you anymore, and so... You got credit cards? I mean, come on, my once beautiful pie that God brought to me is starting to... What do you you want? Oh, taxes. You paid your taxes already? You know they're due soon, right? There's nothing more annoying than the government. The government... Here's what I found about the government. Um, They want to be first, too. Do you know that? In fact, they want to be first so much that they actually don't trust you to give your taxes as a citizen. So they passed a law that requires your employer to withhold it and send it to them. And so, you know why? Because they want to be first. And so I don't know, like, maybe how good of a year you've had, and maybe your tax bracket's only, you know, 14%, or maybe you did a little better than that, and it's kind of maybe more like 24%, 26%, or 32%. You know, we complain about having to pay all those taxes, and we sometimes forget about the fact that if we have to pay them, that somehow we've been blessed with making money, right? And so I don't know about you, but it's annoying. I hate paying taxes. Get out of here, IRS. I don't like you. You definitely look the part. I love it. That's, you know, and uh, man, I'm telling you what is disappearing really fast. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't, hey, uh, what are you doing back out here? Oh, you need an education. Oh, you know what? You know what? I mean, I'm telling you, I, it's hard. To, you're a parent, and you're like, it's just enough to get by. And then all of a sudden, they graduate, and now they're going to go to college, and they're going, are you going to help? Are you going to help? And do you know college costs a lot of money these days? In fact, tuition keeps climbing and going up. It's more and more, like, all the time. In fact, I, I found this out. In Ohio State, which, um, come on, go Bucks. Like, I'm all for a state university with room and board. If your kid says, I want to go and live there, it's going to cost about $22,000 per year. You know, I mean, four years, just a mere hundred grand. It's going to cost. By the way, if they decide that they want to go to, I don't know, a more private college, like, say, I don't know, Otterbein. Otterbein's a really good school. Maybe got Otterbein alums. I don't know. Um, I went to their website, and they said all their tuition books, um, all their other fees, room and board, comes to about $42,000 per year. So, you know, I feel like as a parent, I can never save enough for that. So I just got to keep shoveling it out. I will say this. I am really fortunate to have a smart, hardworking girl 
who chose to go to a school that doesn't cost that much to live at home. Why? Because she doesn't want to have mounds of student debt, and neither do I. And on top of that, she was so smart and worked so hard that she got scholarships to help pay for it. So give me back some of that. I want some of that back. Come on, put your hands together. My... So basically, I'm asked, I, I, don't, I don't really have all that much that's left. I mean, come on. And here's the thing when it comes to, I just want a little bit from me. You ever feel that way? I right, just want up, a little bit up. for me. For me. I, uh, I want what's my your, part, what's too. What's your sign say? Oh, it's upside down. My bad. Unexpected expenses. This is a oh, big one. That's annoying, this isn't is a big it? One. Yeah, I mean, unexpected, right? Oh, like, you're so annoying. Like you guys have a beautiful family. I mean, but what if there was another baby? You know what I mean? Like possibly. <laughs> that can't happen. Well, I mean, that's, that's the definition of unexpected. We'd probably get a divorce if that happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like say, if like, the computer board RSWD40 thing goes out on the boiler. At the house, you know what I mean. Then you could, uh, then you could just, you know, just boil. give me you, some of this. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't have a plate, so we're. I mean, we're just. This goes instantly. I don't. I don't have that much. Please, please don't do that. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, or like, aren't unexpected ex- expenses annoying? Like, you know, things you never planned on. Like, and, and like, most of the time we don't think. Like the flux capacitor on the. Uh, the yep. The I, time I don't. Machine. But I don't have a. I don't have a DeLorean. What well, are you it's, doing? It's like, unexpected. This is so annoying. Good luck starting it? your car on the way home. Oh, my be great. gosh. You know what? Oh. You know what? I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. God. Oh, that's right. God. Oh, God. Hey, you are, God. Man, I want to thank you for this pie. This pie was, whoo, it is so good. And um, um, I'm, I really, I mean, I just. I love God. God has done so much for me, and I just want to say thank you for how you've saved my life and how you've given me everything that I I have that is good in my life and for blessing me beyond measure and what I can even imagine. And I just, so so thank you, God. I appreciate that. Like, do you ever kind of wonder what it must feel like to God when rather than giving him the first, that we give him the leftovers? Come on, put your hands together for my panel of volunteers. Thank you guys for helping. You might want to take some of that with you. I, I guess my, my point in all of this was, was for us to visualize just a little bit. And, and remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom. And then... All our other needs will be met as well. That might not be everything that you want, everything I want. But God is a faithful father that desires to do good things by his children. But we have to get first things first. We have to put God first in our finances. Because if we don't, let me just tell you, everybody wants a piece of the pie, and I get it. And all of a sudden, it's gone. Sometimes what we give to God looks more like leftovers than the first. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I say that because, listen, I care about all of you and and all of us that we could experience the blessing of God. And the way we do it is by ordering our finances in a way that God can bless them. And I think one of the times, one of of the things that we're we're most afraid of is this. And here's our fear. We won't have enough. Have you ever felt that way? I I just don't feel like we'll have enough. What if we don't have enough at the end of the month? What if we don't have enough? What if I don't have enough? And I just want to say, would you please try to remember the God factor in all of that. Because throughout the Bible, what you discover is there over and over, there were situations where there wasn't enough until God stepped in and supernaturally did something. Like the widow who had very little to go on and she collected all these jars and she kept pouring oil supernaturally and filling every single jar. How did that happen? Because you cannot equate God into your math. Or when Jesus would feed the thousands, the multitudes with five loaves and two fish. How does he do that? Listen, because he's God. And I think sometimes we forget what the God factor is in our finances. And and I just want to leave you with this, this encouraging verse, this promise in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the what? The first fruits of all your crops, your increase. And our first fruits, that's the first, that's the tithe, that's what we give to God. And here's the promise, please don't miss this, verse 10, it says, and then, there's the same word, remember Jesus said, then, there's an order to this, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, 
and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, God says, listen, by the measure in which you're faithful to me, so now I can bless you. And here's my prayer for every single one of us. Is that it, I know this might be scary, but if you have never taken a step of faith, and it takes faith to trust God with the first, I want to tell you to try God. Test him. Say, God, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to give, I'm going to give online, I'm going to give it a text, I'm going to give, and I'm going to begin to give faithfully, and I'm going to give first, first, first. And God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm telling you, there are miracle after miracle stories that we have heard in this church of people that have trusted God and taken them at his word. So this might be challenging for you, but I'm going to tell you, man, this has the key to unlock some incredible potential in your life and in mine. Amen? Come on, pray with me today. God, we just thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, for your word and what you have spoken to us. God, I pray right now that, Lord, you would give us the strength and the faith to know what to do with what you have told us. God, we see this principle that you want to be first in our lives. Why? Because relationships are about order. Why? Because you want to be first, not second. And so, God, I pray as an act of worship, an act of love, that, God, we would bring the whole tithe to you at the place of worship. That, God, we would give to you first and foremost. And, God, I pray right now as people in our church are going to begin on this journey to trust you. And they're going to step out in faith and they're going to test you. God, I believe with everything in me that you have already brought provision, that it is on its way. That, God, we're going to see your provision. And the greatest blessings that we can receive, I want to say, God, is not even financial. But it can be in our marriage it could be with our children. It could be in our families. It could be in our careers. It could be our health. And so, God, I'm asking right now for you to show up, to show off how faithful you are to your people. And, Father, I pray right now if there's anyone here that maybe wasn't a Christ follower but maybe hearing this says, you know what? I need to surrender my all to you. If you're here today, and the truth is this, that you have never laid your life down and given it to God. I want you to know why this, this whole message matters so much. Because Jesus was your tithe. Because God gave his first and his best for you and me. And that was Jesus. The Bible says he's the firstborn over all creation. And that if you will just give your life to him, that's 100% of your life. He wants to change you. And so if that's you, just say, God, will you just come into my life? Would you fill me with your presence? I want to surrender my life to you today. And I want to give you everything I have. I pray that, God, you would help me have the strength to follow you from this moment forward. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And everyone said, come on, let's thank God for his word today.